Welcome to the American Mutos Show. I am your host, Eric Mutos. This next interview is amazing, and you're going to understand why. You're going to want to share this video and the podcast wherever it's at. By the way, this is on the American Mutos Show is now on all podcast platforms, not just Rumble Channel. Dr. Lee Merritt began her medical career at age four, carrying her father's black bag on house calls on the back roads of Iowa. She's a graduate of University of Rochester's School of Medicine and Dentistry in New York and a lifetime member of the Alpha Omega Alpha Honor Medical Society. She completed an orthopedic residency in the United States Navy and served for 10 years as a Navy medical officer. During her 30 years in the practice of orthopedics and spinal surgery, she was appointed as a consultant to the Navy Research Advisory Committee and is past president of the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons. She has been a speaker and author advocating for ethical patient-centered medicine and warning about the inevitable disaster of government health care. She planned on being retired by now, but she's not. Please welcome Dr. Lee Merritt. But before we get started, let me tell you about a product from our sponsor, Freedom Blends. Do you get enough fruits and veggies? Are your fruits and veggies real? Do they actually work? Freedom Fuel. This has all of your fruits and vegetables organic in a capsule with probiotics. One of the main reasons why our bodies crave all day long, like crave after carbs and sugars and we don't know why, is because they're not properly nourished. So go to freedomblends.com. Scroll down to the bundle pack of the Freedom Fuel and just slide the pictures over to the left and just read. Read the testimonials, read the ingredients, give it a shot, 100% money back if you don't love it. Freedomblends.com. Dr. Lee Merritt, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, my honor. Thanks. Um, when I When I try to find guests, I look at who are the mainstream media going after um, and what are they saying? That's who I want to talk to. <laughs> I actually I don't even that. know what they're saying because I don't ever read about myself. That's just not conducive to fighting the war. You know, I, I think about we're in a war and we all have to start acting like warriors. I love it. I, I heard you. I was on front row. I was doing a live stream on Facebook, but you know how the fascists <laughs> of Facebook, what they do. Um, but I was doing a live stream with you when you were in St. George, Utah. Do you remember this presentation that you did? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Loved it. And so Thank you. I want to go into a little bit about what you were saying. But um, I just really, really appreciate um, you putting yourself out there like this, because um, a lot of people have no idea how to articulate what's happening. And so I kind of just want to start there, like kind of give us a kind of give the audience and the listener, what are you seeing from your um, purview, from your perspective? What are you seeing right now? What do people need to know? Let's just start there. Well, you know, I can, I can guarantee you of one thing is that there are, the world is not what we thought it was and we're being lied to on every front. I mean, I, I didn't just find out that we've been lied about medicine. I mean, think about it. We're being lied about things down to the nature of fine art. I mean, it's just crazy when you start looking around and things the way the world really is. And 
it's this is I got into this because I'm a surgeon. I, I sat at home when they closed down everything for COVID and I operating rooms were closed. So I had lots of time to uh, call people, talk to people, look at the Internet, study. I mean, at that time, they weren't hiding a lot of things. And so I could get into the basic science research and really go down the roads that I hadn't had time to do in 40 years of being on, you know, on actually treating patients. But suddenly when you're sitting home, it's kind of if this weren't so deadly, this would have been the finest econo- uh, educational period of my life, I think, just learning all this stuff. But what I'm what I'm finding out is it's it's one big lie. You know, J. Edgar Hoover said the individual is handicapped by coming face to face with a conspiracy so monstrous he cannot believe it exists. And you know, I think J. Edgar Hoover is the guy to, to tell us that. I mean, he, he if anyone should know, he should. And you know, that's that's what we're facing, and that's why it's very hard for people. Now, this isn't by accident. Um, if people want to read why they're being confused. I recommend, and who's really behind this? It doesn't give you names, but it gives you an idea. There's a book called Quiet Weapons for Silent Wars. And probably very, very small number of people own the majority of the world. Uh, In 2011, I may have said this in Utah, but in 2011, there was a guy named Gladfelter. He's an economics uh, expert, professor, PhD type in Switzerland. And he was commissioned by the government of Switzerland to look to see uh, who owned what? And they took a supercomputer and they plugged in the data from 37 million companies, corporations. And it spit out the fact that there were really only 149 companies or 147 companies that owned all those 37 million. Then the guys at Forbes said, oh, well, when we look at that, it turns out that there are 10 big banking systems that own those 147 companies. And then some other smart guy on Wall Street said, well, if you understand the way funds work, there are really 150 guys, men specifically, that own those four big funds. They control those four big funds. So what we're looking at is a very, not not just the 1% or the 0.1%, we're looking at the 0.000002% of the world's population that own over 90% of the corporate wealth of the world, provably, Okay. This yeah, where's all the where's theory. where's all the uh, um, the occupy people now? Why don't the right, you know, right. all the all all the people coming in and occupying Wall Street? Why aren't why aren't they coming out vocal against this? Right. I mean, you know, you know the answer. I'm just I'm just. Oh yeah, that's a rhetorical question. I get it. Well, and so when we know that, um, and, and I and then then we take it the next step, and that's where that book comes in. I just said, "Quiet Weapons for Silent Wars." The other thing to say is that those 150 people in there, and I'm going to give them a 300. They're probably 300 in that group. Um, there's there's a small group of people that are on top, not by accident. Okay. The other thing I've had a lot of time to look at, and in fact, I just a friend of mine just bought me a 1930s copy of Burke's Peerage. It, you know, when you when you look at who's who in the world, they're all related. Um, it's not by accident that we're seeing people like Al Gore and George Bush Jr. are actually direct Merovingian line together. In other words, Al Gore is, a, is almost a direct descendant, I believe, from Charlemagne. And George Bush Jr. is a, is a little bit off that direct descent, but not much. So, you know, and look at John Kerry and George Bush the next time Bush ran. Who was he against? A fellow skull and bonesman in the whole history of the world. There are only like 2,600 skull and bonesmen, and two of them are against each other for the presidency. See, we're just learning that we've 
we our votes have been a sham because of these machines. This is the great unveiling. I talked to people my last lecture I gave down in Florida recently. It was COVID. Welcome to the apocalypse, because we're having all this unveiled now, but it's been going on forever. So I guess my point here is that I'm really convinced the we're still in the pharaohic system. A few people rule the world. We used to call them pharaohs. We used to see them up on the high platforms. Then they became kings and maybe weren't quite the only, you know, then they had more organization between them and more of them. And then they became bankers and they put on suits and we don't see them, but they're up there still. Now, in the book, The Quiet Weapons for Silent Wars, it wasn't meant as a book. This was actually notes taken at a meeting of these people. Okay. Now, it might have been the first, it was 1954 and it might have been the first Bilderberg group. But whoever, I can't prove that, but I can prove that these notes are real because they were, they were, the story goes, they were found in a Xerox machine. They were never supposed to get out. If you read the book, it says, we should never let this information out or the people will realize that we are declaring war against them. Okay. Because there are too many of us who are too greedy. So they didn't want this information to get out, but somebody was copying these things. Somebody in intelligence probably was copying this and it got stuck in a Xerox machine that was later found in a, in a military or not a military, a government recycle uh, facility. So I actually talked to G. Edward Griffin during his, it was his 90th birthday party. And he said, you want to meet the guy who found that? And I said, I would love to. But in other words, I'm telling you, this book has provenance, just like fine art. It's like, I know the guy that did this, that this, and goes way back to whoever painted it. Okay, this is the guy who found it. So we know that far back. When you read it, you realize that these guys that control the world, whoever they are by name, they, they know they have technology far in advance of ours. This book written in 1954, there's these notes taken in a meeting in 1954 discuss the quiet weapons are not, I thought it was directed energy weapons. This book sat on my counter for months before I actually read it because I thought it wasn't applying to me right now. No, they're social control weapons. And what they talk about is, oh, we'll, you know, we'll figure out what people respond to by shocking a system like raising gas, their purchasing um, uh, patterns. We'll use metadata, barcodes on the, on the things. Now, keep in mind, this is 1954. I, in 1969, used to work in a grocery store where you still had a cash register. You had to punch in every number. You had to figure the tax in your head, and then you could add, put that in, and it would add it for you. That's all it did. There were no barcodes. There were no computers. Didn't even think about what they didn't even know what those were, right? But these guys knew. And that's the worldview that I think people to ha need to have. Uh, and the other thing I will tell you that it says in the book is that essentially it goes on and says that we are that humans are too many right now. We have they always think they have back to the time of Plato, the Uber Lords, and I think we should actually call them Uber parasites. The Uber parasites uh, always think that there are too many of us, and we are too uh, greedy. Gosh, you know, we want our own land, and we want our own, you know, you know, food and things yeah, like that. That's kind of ironically just projection. Yeah, yeah. They that's they they want us to be essentially uh, literally serfs and food for them. I, I, that is actually literal. So um, what it, what they say is that there are only two options that they've come up with. Essentially, they, they discuss all the potential options for keeping the population down and keeping us under control. 
they look at the 20th century that they've just gone through World War II, right? And they say, well, all that war stuff, you know, it's really kind of messy because, yeah, it kills a lot of people, makes us some money. But, you know, in the end, it destroys a lot of infrastructure that costs us money to have to rebuild. Let's not do it that way again. What we need is benevolent slavery and genocide. How long have you been awake to this, to these things? <laughs> well, to that and how, degree, and like how, I how. And, and how, and how ha have you been able to do what you've been doing up until this point, knowing what you know? Well, honestly, it was a gradual awakening. Okay, so I was a I was in the private practice of orthopedic and spinal surgery, and I'll tell you how 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 I was not awake to anything. Okay, this is before the age of cell phones, before the age of computers. I just studied. I jokingly say, I don't know anything about popular culture between the Beatles and the Backstreet Boys, you know, because my kids liked the Backstreet Boys when they were little. And literally, I didn't watch TV. I didn't watch the news. I didn't do anything except study medicine for my entire life until I got and, an, an, you know, I didn't I don't dab in popular culture. I didn't really play sports at all. I just worked and studied. And um, one day, and I then had kids and, and I had a family, you know, which was, that's, that's why I'm in this fight. And what happened is one day, I, about 1997, I got mugged by Medicare. And Medicare, you know, the government, people think that doctors are charging too much. Um, we don't charge, we don't set our prices. The government does. Even if you're in private practice, like I was, I wasn't working for a hospital. We set, we didn't set, Medicare sets the prices and we have to set our prices based on Medicare. So we haven't been really in control of things for a long time, unless you get completely out of the system. But one, but, but they decided to just, they decided, I think they looked around the world and they said, we're running out of money. Let's see. Who should we piss off? The internists? Oh, gosh, there are millions of those. Or the spine surgeons? Oh, there are only like 40,000 of them in the country or 30,000 of them in the country. Let's just piss those guys off. And that's what happened. Uh, in fact, there may not be even that many, maybe 20,000 or 10,000 spine surgeons, but but orthopedic surgeons in general. So I, I was complaining about all of this, all I'd seen going on. And a friend of mine said, you should join the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. They're the voice of private practice. They've been fighting against government medicine since 1943 because they saw what happened in Germany. They were seeing problems and they didn't ever want government medicine to come to America. In retrospect, I remember my dad talking about that. My mom was a nurse and they talked about the problem when the government takes over medicine because they lived through World War II. So I guess I inherited, you, you become your parents somehow, no matter how much you might try and avoid it. But anyway, I, I got it from them, I think. And I was, I got to be, end up being the president of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. And one of the things I discovered was the, the, pre, the, the Hitler's senior medical officer toward the war at the end of the war was Carl Brandt. He was, he was like me. He did trauma. He did orthopedic trauma and spine surgery. I said, well, I'll read this book. And it turned out that, you know, I had a lot of empathy for Carl Brandt. He was actually a good guy in a way that he was, he was a competent surgeon who rolled up his shirt sleeves and helped save lives during the bombings and, and taking care of the, the, the um, war wounded out on the Eastern front. Even when he was a senior officer and a senior member of Hitler's staff. Now, most I can tell you, having spent 10 years in the Navy, most senior uh, military doctors don't roll up their sleeves and do anything except pass paperwork and hold meetings. 
So that was pretty impressive to me. But basically what I learned is the problem of government medicine. So that woke me up a little bit. And how government medicine always brings you essentially genocide in one form or another. It murders people. It always ends up murdering people because to the government, you're just a cipher. You're a, when they start paying for the bill, you're just a negative drain on their bottom line. To us, to, to ethical, Hippocratic oath-taking physicians for thousands of years, you were a patient that we cared about and that we were our, we took an oath to, not the government. Trust me. Is it safe so that's how say, I woke up. Is it safe to say government plus medicine equals murder? Yeah, always, every time. I don't care. You know, look at Canada. Okay. I was on John Stossel one time and had a debate. I, I, when Obamacare came out, he had me on a couple of times on Fox News, on his Fox Stossel show. And one time I was supposed to debate this guy about Canadian medicine. And this was a guy that was a member of the, you know, Democratic Socialists of America and kind of, you know, he was a, he was clearly, uh, you know, a, 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 a socialist government role, everything kind of guy. And, you know, besides not getting a word in ad wise, the problem is you can't convince. There are so many people that ask for this. They asked for government to pay their way because they didn't understand what was causing the, the, the dollars to go up in medical care. And we tried to tell them it isn't the government that's going to make things cheaper. It's getting out of government. Government is costing you money and degrading your 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 uh, quality. But now we can see another side of it is this wasn't by accident. Just like these guys said, this was a declared, they, people had declared war on us medically and we didn't know it back then. So in about 2000, I think I gave it, uh, there's still, it's still a video on people can watch. It's called the lessons of Carl Brandt. And there's a couple things that I left out about Carl Brandt, and it's pertinent today because everybody says, let's bring back Nuremberg too. But people need to understand what really happened in Nuremberg 1. In Nuremberg 1, um, they took the, you know, we, this is the medical doctor trial. And they tried these guys uh, because they were, you know, doing experiments, for example, on people in the, in the, in the camps. So we all know the name of Mengele, but Mengele wasn't tried. Um, he wasn't out there, but the, but there were doctors that were there and I'm, I'm blanking on this guy's name. I want to say it was Stillingen or something like that. It started with an ST, but he was, he was doing malaria um, experiments on prisoners and, you know, and trying to save them. In other words, he would, he, this was because of the jungle wars and stuff. And they, there was a theoretically a war effort. So he was experimenting on, he would infect people with malaria let them get sick and then try and save them with various different routines. Okay. Well, he was tried and he was hung at Nuremberg in front of his wife and Carl Brandt, who also was tried and subsequently hung. This is why he was hung. He didn't do any of those things. He was just, he was just the administrative head. Okay. But he actually tried to save people's lives. The problem is he didn't get out of this nasty system, but here's the point. Carl Brandt was trying to point out and his lawyer at the time of Nuremberg, Hey, you Americans wrote the, the Nuremberg Code, wrote this code of ethics just to hang us. You were doing the very same thing. And it's true. Dr. Ivy from Harvard, who, uh, along with a group of, of prosecuting um, physicians on the prosecution team, they literally flew back to Harvard, wrote the code so they could come back to the trial and hang the Nazi doctors because they were doing the very same How? thing. 
how how deep does this go? Because you know, it's like you grow up and you think America, <laughs> America, we're so great, and it turns out we're the perpetrators on most of this stuff. No, no wonder why people hate us from around the world. I know. And, I you know, I spent ten years in the military, and I always heard how we were the bad guys going around the seas. I said, no, 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 that's that's communist propaganda. Well, turns out <laughs> we have, uh, and so I again. So to finish the uh, Doctor Ivy. There was a guy, in fact, he was doing malaria research himself using a worse form of malaria on prisoners, especially black prisoners, in various different federal penitentiaries. We were doing the same things. We were we were killing people, doing it without their consent, but we wrote the code to get the Germans. So we and here's what really happened at Nuremberg, just as the final point, because this is what's coming here. I think they killed the red shirts, they hung the red shirts and they hired the technocrats, the guys that were actually had knowledge that they wanted, like MK Ultra, Mengele, like um, the, the, the pharmaceutical chemists. In fact, the project paperclip was not designed. It, the first group that they were after was not, as they might tell you, were the rocket scientists. Yeah, they wanted those. And they always show you every project paper. This is the psychological operation that they're waging against us. Every cycle, every paper, everything you see, pictures of, if you look up Project Paperclip, you'll see the same picture. It's always Werner Von Braun sitting out of his SS uniform, sitting like this with all these engineers behind him. That was the number two group they wanted. The number one group were chemists and they wanted pharmaceutical chemists. So if you want to, so if you really want to say how far, far back this goes, this goes back into dark, deep millennial history what i've been telling but, people is this goes back to the war in heaven in the book of revelation that's how far back absolutely goes. And, and that's kind of where i want to go i i want to you to finish this but i want to go into because i can tell meeting people i don't know if you if you feel the same way but meeting people you your spirit uh lee it resonates it's very powerful like you are a very very powerful force for good i hope that you know that well well I'm an un, I'm an unlikely I'm an unlikely uh, pick by God. I'll just say that you know it's I wouldn't amazing. pick me. Like but. you can just see God working through you to like everything that you've become in your life. It's like now it's time to just blast it all out there. And so that's why I wanted you on here because I really, if you're watching this video, please share it because this is this is gold. Like we're trying to figure out all these things. People are awakening daily. Like everybody's just waking up, waking it really up, is. up. And so what is your message to people? What is it that we can do? Like, do you, do you sorry, I, I want to get into this, but no, I don't, I, I don't want to cut you off from everything. Well, no, no, but your so point good. is the message, the big message we have to get out, in my opinion, is that when you realize there are only 300 guys running this whole shit show, let's just stand up and take our world back. That's the bottom line here. There, are, you know, David Icke said this years ago, he was in Trafalgar Square when this whole thing broke out and they were trying to mask everybody. And, and I really, I really love David Icke. I think he's really interesting. And he said, look, the people running this, you could put them into one room and you'd have room left over. There are 8.5 billion of us. I think I see a way out of it. So, the big psyop that's being waged against humanity is we are powerless and they did it by making everything sound so technological. And I'm going to tell you, the answers are simple. Ultimately, God gave us free will and he didn't want us to be organized into these complex situations. And we 
anything time, anytime you see complexity and hierarchy at the top of that, you're going to find evil. And we all, you know, for example, I was talking about uh, the medical doctor's trial and, and the Germans. Eichmann didn't kill anybody, right? He didn't kill anybody. Now they hung him. They, they, they claimed he did, but he just made the trains run on time and organized the system. Who murdered people? It was the little people in the death camps. It was the little people in the work camps. It was the little people in the prisons in Germany. Okay. And we had, and Stalin, same thing. I mean, Stalin gave the order. He was, he was a bad dude, but he didn't personally shoot anybody. It was the, the little people in the Lubyanka that were taking the orders to shoot those people. We, as the, the we are pattern. the little people. I don't know if, if you, if you realize it's the same pattern. They went after the Jews, not just because of their race and religion, but because they had money. They had they were starting to gain, you know, power in in the government's eyes. And so they went after him. And so fast forward 100 years. Look at what they're doing. What what did they do during COVID? They went after the small businesses in America. You can go to Walmart, but you can't go to the mom and pa shop. I, 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 I think it's the same pattern. It's the same right. exact thing that they did. And you're right, but it's not because the small businesses had the money. They don't have the money. It's because they're independent. Yes, and, exactly. And, and see, that's the problem is. And that's why I say, if you want to look around, you know, they always see the picture of the Illuminati, this pyramid, right? But there's a point there because we, we are supposed to have free will and be just kind of rugged individualists. And when America was the greatest it's ever been in the 1800s, when we didn't have the income tax and we really were in 1880s, we built these fabulous farmhouses and we we innovated and we we just did all these great things. We were not organized into all these societies and these uh, medical departments and all this kind of stuff. It was your hospitals were owned locally. Everybody knew the doctors. Everybody lived together. It was small town everywhere, essentially. But then what has happened is everything's become organized because if you talk and go back, like you said, from God to Satan, God gave us free will. Satan wants to control us. The evil in the to get Satan wants everybody under his thumb. And to do that, you have to have hierarchy. So I will tell you, one of the hard things to swallow, and it's, it's kind of like who is whom in this world, is that at the top of every hierarchy, I believe you're going to find abject evil that that is coordinating it i mean so um if you want to know look look at who's doing this you know people say oh it's anti-semitic to blame the kazarians no they're not jewish uh but in case you know it's not the, it's not it's not just it's not the jews it's not the catholics it's not the the masons it's not the it's at the top of all those organizations you know i know many very fine guys who are masons but i don't think they know what's going on at the top of their organization the AMA, only 13% of doctors years ago, and maybe less now, actually in practice are members of the AMA because most of us did recognize that that wasn't, if not evil, at least we recognized that they were stealing our money and not giving us anything. Um, that's what you're going to find at the top of everything. I don't care if it's the Southern Baptists, sorry guys. I mean, every, every organization, I think, they organize to control and control is not ever it's good. not of god well it's not of it's god it's not of god the, you're the exactly plan, right the plan of salvation was that we were going to come down to earth we were going to voluntarily come back to god by our own free will and choice i mean uh revelation chapter 3 i think it's 16 where it says i stand at the door and i knock and any man that hear my voice you have to go to him he is not going to force humanity 
he's not going to do it. It goes against the order of heaven for force. So I always yes. say in heaven where God resides, it is all based on voluntary love, voluntary sharing. Everything is done free will. Satan's kingdom, the counter kingdom that we live in, it's all done by force, fear, manipulation, coercion. Literally, it's the exact opposite of God's kingdom. And hierarchy is what allows you, hierarchy and compartmentalization are what allow what we call conspiracies. People who don't want to think this is a worldwide organization to kill you, you know, I, and I'll tell you honestly, I'll, I'll confess here. I didn't, this is why I say I'm a very unlikely um, uh, person to be tapped you're on the shoulder. An by, unlike, you're an unlikely disruptor in the devil's kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm unlikely to be tapped on the shoulder by God to do anything because for, I'm telling you, my entire career, my I, I would say for 40 years, I didn't open a Bible. Um, that just, you know. What I did, I, I was, a, you know, I thought science, blah, blah, blah. You know, so many people, we, we, we move away from it. We, we think we get educated. But I was shocked when this whole thing broke out to realize I saw what was going on. And I said, the devil is in the street trying to kill my children. You know, I didn't come at this because I suddenly had this epiphany from God that he said, do this. I came at this because I said, I'm not going to let these guys kill my children. And I am surprised that so many Christians were willing to set up these, uh, these, these vaccine centers in their church and to do all these things that they didn't recognize this as the ultimate evil. I think it's okay. the ultimate evil is what's going on here. This is an, and it's all in the name of nice and it's all in the name of love and, and the greater good. And it's like, you guys, can't you see, can't you see what's happening? And because this is why I think Jesus, when he was saying, like, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is what's happening right now. And how do we wake up the 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 typical Christian? How do we wake them up? What do we say? Because we, we come across as these lunatics, these fringe minorities. How do we wake them up? Well, and and by the way, do you know Patrick Gunnels? He does no. reading epic threads. It's no. really so he had Threadfest. And one of the one of his he's a great wordsmith. And one of the things he said uh, at, at Threadfest that I wrote down and I keep it on my wall, sufficiently advanced intelligence is 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 uh, uh, in I want to say you can't you can't you can't separate it from madness. It's in it's uh, I'm, bl I'm blanking on the word, but, you know, it looks like madness because you're so ahead of the game that people don't, you know, so. You've been talking about this for a long time, and the people that have been talking about this for the long time, they thought we were crazy. But that doesn't explain, I think, what's happening now. I mean, look at look at the you know you can't tell me all these soccer players dropping over, all these athletes, um, and they're having to try to hide it. So this Demar, what's his last name, the football player, Hamlin, Hamlin, yeah, Demar Hamlin, uh, Larry Pilevsky, um, who's coming on my my own personal, my my medical rebel podcast tonight, he brought this up. He always, when we do the five doc show, he always says, uh, he always does, says he's the one guy. We have four women doctors and the one guy. And he always starts with a sports moment, you know, five minutes or something. And he we talked about Damar Hamlin. And I thought it was just in here that I was thinking this, but he pointed out that when this guy came out of the hospital, he didn't look the same. That's not the look of somebody that just had CPR, probably cracked ribs, probably a cracked sternum. That isn't Damar Hamlin. He says the guy didn't have any, he didn't have any tubes. He just came out of the ICU. They didn't even wheel him out in a wheelchair. So we think he's not there. If he's alive, he's not able to be. That's not him that you're seeing on the news. 
outside the building. I mean, he asked for questions or, or points. And I said, well, I think this is Tiffany Dover Redux. You know, when this whole thing hit, if you remember, there was a nurse and she was down in uh, Tennessee, but she lived in Alabama, Tennessee. And she was very pretty, long, dark hair. And she was volunteering for getting her shot to show everybody how safe it was. And she killed right over. Remember that? And her name was Tiffany Dover. And anyway, well, something wasn't, I kind of followed up on that because you didn't hear follow up. You never heard her, you know, coming up. She was very active on social media and suddenly it all stopped. And, and so they're saying she's fine. She's fine. But I wanted to just verify that. And the farther I went down that, that rabbit hole early on, the more I was convinced the whole hospital was lying that she was dead. My husband and, you know, and this was early on in this whole thing. My husband said, why does it matter? You know, this is nuts. Why are you spending is this time? The, with this? Is I said, this the blonde girl? No, this is a dark haired girl, long, dark hair. And she was a nurse at a hospital in Tennessee early on in the vaccine rollout. So oh, is this know, the one that was on video that she? Yes. Boom. Okay. I remember. Yeah. yeah. She just starts kind of going like this, like she's sweating. That's right. That's and then, right. Yeah. So I think Hamlin's the same thing. So. The point is not, it's like, the, you know, talked about in Richard Nixon's thing that the cover-up was worse than the crime. It's not just that she died. It's that the whole hospital was somehow silenced. How did they do, if people don't believe in conspiracies, how did they do that? You know, is the whole NFL silenced about DeMar? Is there not one player that's willing to tell us really the truth or to show us proof of life? You it's see how big, so, you so say so how big this goes. It's so satanic, like in the devil's kingdom, like you, this is what I keep saying. Like, this is very important why people speak up right now, because as you use your voice, your God given voice, you, you step into the calling that God gave you really, because everybody has been given a calling. And I believe if you, you if you are awakened and you're, you, it's a gift, you've been given a gift to be awakened. Now you need to use your voice. You need because to do it. That little bit of light. You know, you might not think that you have a lot of influence, but it's just not true. You have way more influence than you think. You start speaking up. You're going to get the opposition. You're going to get the darkness that comes, but you're going to light up way more people that are going to have the courage because courage is contagious. You're going to you're going to give them courage to start speaking up. That's how we win. Right. And so, you know, the problem is, yeah, OK, you're a nurse. You might lose your job at this point. My, you know, I'm, I'd rather lose my job than my soul. Come on, guys. I mean, this is, they're coming after your children. Even if you don't believe in the soul, they're coming after your children. I think that's provable now. They're, they're, you know, um, my governor in Iowa and 19 other governors signed this letter to, to uh, stop the mandates in the military. And she also signed a thing that she's not going to mandate the COVID vaccine in schools, right? But if they really cared, like if DeSantis, they wouldn't stop all the mandates because you know what they're going to do. They've already put the COVID. They've already got a combo flu and COVID. So they're not they're tricking you. They're thinking you're saving your children and they're not. They're putting it in your other children's vaccines. That's Wake up, everybody. That's what I've been telling people. I'm like, it's the same company. So it's like, well, are you an anti-vaxxer now? Uh, hell yeah, I am now because it's the same companies. Why wouldn't they just put it in this? Why wouldn't they put it in any type of medicine? And so maybe right. you can speak I mean, on that, like this whole thing on the food. The, um, like, how? Where are we going to get? Are we really going to get to a place where we just have to grow our own stuff? We have to like. Is that where we're heading? 
we are really heading there. And I'm, I'm not just an anti-vaxxer. I'm an anti-toothpaster. I tell people, you know, I don't even want to buy toothpaste from these psychopaths. Okay. <laughs> I, love I love it so much. It's what is in there? What is it? What is in there? That's right. That's right. Well, we can tell you what's in there. They've been poisonous with fluoride forever. Now, ironically, I trained at the University of Rochester where they had the Eastman Dental Center, and my dad actually got his MD, PhD, and his PhD, he was a dentist first. His PhD was in uh, biochemistry, on, on and, he, and he did research on how teeth calcify. Sadly, he was one of the first people that started recommending putting fluoride in water, <laughs> but he did not realize. He did not realize, I'm sure, he was a good guy. He would not realize that organic fluorides are different than inorganic fluorides, but it's just one of the many toxins. And it's a big one because it dumbs you down. Why was fluoride put into the death camps? Okay, because it calmed people. In fact, Stalin, when he realized that's what Hitler was doing, he said, oh, if they're putting it in the camps in Germany, let's do a study. And he found that if he fluoridated the water in the camps, in the, in the gulag, he didn't need 25, get rid of 25% of the guards. Right. Well, most of these, I'm seeing a lot of these videos that are coming out that not even in mainstream media, the products that are made in the United States of America, they're being banned in Europe because of how toxic they are. Right. We are, unfortunately, the chemistry, uh, the, you know, before IG, before World War II is a little bit of history. IG Farben was the largest chemical conglomerate in the world. They made their fortune on aniline discovering and patenting aniline dyes. And but they took it further and they became the, you know, the people that made all the, you know, all sorts of stuff from insecticides and nerve gas for the war and all sorts of crazy stuff. Well, after the war, they, they didn't go away. You know, they just came over and became our pharmaceutical companies. In fact, the guy who made. um Oh, what's the name of the drug? It was a, uh, I'll think of it. It was it was a drug that was given to women for um, morning sickness. And it was found, um, I've, I've got it on the tip of my tongue, and I just can't say the word, but it gave you uh, what's called in orthopedics, I can think of this name, focomelia, where you where you might have, you might be born with one arm missing, or just your hands, in my generation, in the 50s, we'd see kids like this that had the, um, had the, had the hands like attached to their shoulders because they had no, no long bones. Okay, that happened. And that was a terrible drug and damaged over 100,000 children. But where did it come from? Well, it was it was it was developed by Otto Ambrose, who was the head chemist of IG Farben, and it was developed for use in the camps, okay, in the work camps like Auschwitz. And he, um, uh, because that was really a big work camp. They killed a lot of people, but they did it through overwork, and it was like typhus at the end of the and a lot of stuff that we don't think today because we've been told the wrong stories. But really, it was typhus and overworking that killed most of the people. But what happened was. And it was evil. I'm not saying it wasn't terrible evil. Don't get me wrong. But they developed this drug to sedate them. Okay. After the war, he got he got tried at Nuremberg, got like a six year sentence or something. And after that, he came out and he brought this drug to uh, Europe and he became a chemist with a pharmaceutical company's consultant. And he brought his little drug to Europe. And that's what caused all those birth defects. So these guys have been studying this for a very, very long time. That's I, part and of what I they think do. it's really important too, as Christians, like, you know how, you know how we pray over our food, we pray and we just do these short little quick prayers, like really pray over it. Like this yes. is this we we the power of God, like the power of Christ's name can do a lot of things. And so I'm sure people that are listening, it's like I people get scared, right? 
it's scary what's happening because we're under attack on all levels, physically and spiritually. But the power of prayer works. Like start praying over everything that you put into your body. It actually changes. You know, this is what Dr. Emoto in Japan showed that even just putting words on water, water is the water is it's the stuff of life. I really think it's infused with the God substance, whatever. It's the stuff of life that has memory and it has it has spirit. Some there's magic in water that we don't understand. But you can if you speak badly to water, he showed that it would crystallize in these ugly crystals. But if you say things nice, if you are nice to the water, if you thank the water, if you you know expound on the water's greatness and that you love the water and you put. It'll it'll then make nice crystals like talk to the rice like for 30 days and people are like, oh, that doesn't work. Uh, Yeah, it does work. It does. And that's why the power of prayer works. That's why we need to bring God back into our society, because it's the only way that we're going to be healed is through the name of Jesus Christ. That's why they're trying to silence. That's why the mask, in my opinion, the mask was one of the most satanic symbols that have ever happened, because that was like step number one. I'm going to shut all of you up immediately. You're silent. Yeah, well, it's part of a satanic ritual of, of new initiates that you wear a mask, stand six feet apart in a circle and wash your hands. I mean, it's overtly a satanic symbol. I mean, that's what you do. It's, it symbolizes I, I'm going to change who I am. You know, I'm going to be what you want me to be. Yeah, and, no I'm not, you know, and I'm not going to speak. You're going to cover up the the. You're going to cover up the image of God. God, right. we were created in God's image. You're going to now cover that up. In the name of love. Oh, my gosh. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. That if you don't you don't love your neighbor, if you don't take this vaccine, it's just they. Well, again, what does Satan do? He always inverts the language. So whatever, you know, whatever they're telling you, it's just probably 180 degrees out. But but I will say, in addition to praying over your food and everything that's happening, I mean, that's why they shut the churches down. But they didn't shut. They were holding satanic rituals. You can bet your life on it. You know, we have pictures of some of them, like on the sit on the Capitol steps and things like that. They were still going. We weren't. We weren't allowed to 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 get together and to and to have communion and to and to pray together because they know that is powerful. You can have abortions. You can go get your your liquor at the liquor store, but you can't go to church. Right. Can't sing. Did you like that? Gather. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. You can't sing. You can't gather. I mean, the whole thing was. And and what's sad is that this is just the beginning of the fear. Like, imagine when food stops. Imagine when you can't go to the grocery store, the kind of fear that is going to be used in society to control even more people. Now, and I, and I will tell you, there's three. So we hear about the Hegelian dialectic, the idea that I, I say, I tell people this, what we have to realize is now they're trying to discourage you from changing the direction of what you're doing. Okay, you they are trying to make people think it's over. It's fatalistic. I can't do anything about it. I'm just going to have to, you know, take my hands off the steering wheel and let it let the car go where it will. That's not true. We have this is the time for everybody to to grasp the wheel and do the right thing. So, um, you know what they did. COVID wasn't a disease. It was never a disease per se. Not to say there wasn't a toxin out there. There's that's a whole nother discussion. But it was it was a program. It was three steps. The first step was they created a an artificial disease and they convinced you it was a new disease that they that's going to kill all these people. And they ran this psyop on the world, including um, false testing and 
probably some contact poisons that dropped a bunch of people, 5G. There's a lot of ways they did this, but they made people. But if you look at 2020, the all-cause mortality was very minimally up. Okay, the real death came with the vaccines. So the first step was a PSYOP convincing you there's a deadly disease out there to get you to be afraid. So the second point is to create, you know, um, problem, reaction, solution. They know the solution they wanted to give us, which was the vaccine program. So they created a problem and they knew they'd get a reaction. And that reaction that they've been trying to generate is fear. How many times in the Bible does it say, you know, fear God, but don't fear that you, the spirit of fear is not our answer here. I think it's like 365 times I've yeah, a meme that said it's literally it's a lot. day. 365 times it says fear not. I think that really the Hegelian dialectic is the satanic dialectic, that when you fear, you allow evil forces to come into you and you do things that are that are not well thought out. So you're more apt to get into their clutches. And that's where you took this demonic potion. So we have to we have to realize, OK, we people made mistakes. Good people made mistakes. Good Christian people were duped. But don't yes. think it's don't think it's fatalistic. Now, here's what you do. And I think what what's keeping the fraud going is complexification. I don't know if you know Max Kaiser's uh, economic thing on the Internet, but he talks about I love him because he's so funny. He says, you know, there's so many things like crapification and complexification that they do to confuse us. Right. They they the, and so complexification is what they're using here. Highly technical language and all this stuff to convince you about all this, you know, PCR tests and viruses and all this kind of stuff. It's all nonsense at the end of the day. At the end of the day, ancient medicine was about two things. It was about purification and detoxification. Purification, get right with God, and detoxification, they Latin for virus in Latin means toxin. It doesn't mean a little animal that I, I, I breathe out that somehow goes to you and makes you sick. That's a great anti-human agenda, but it's just not the way the world works. So they're sitting around killing us with poisons and with EMF radiation and with you know bad food and all sorts of stuff they're doing to us. And they're making us believe that we're making each other sick. We get out of that paradigm. There are four things we need to do. First thing is, uh, I mean, well, there's five. First thing, get right with God. You know, you have to have the spirit of God to, to have any of this work. I'm with you. It's completely, I've, I've realized my, my ignorance in the last few decades. The second thing is um, that you need to detoxify yourself. Now, and you need to, and, and I will tell you that uh, I can't tell you to take chlorine dioxide, but I do it myself and I have the protocol for how I do it myself on my website because I think it's a magic substance. Um, I think it's, it's something that was given to us by God to do this. And they're trying to, they hate it so badly. They put people in jail for suggesting it. They hate it so badly that Trudeau's government won't allow people to order the crystals off Amazon to make it in their home. In spite of the fact, this is a substance they use to decontaminate, to sanitize all our food in the grocery stores, to sanitize water. This is not bleach. It's just, it's, it's good stuff. So there's that first thing, detoxify yourself and then don't take toxins in. Uh, but there's lots of ways to do that. Second thing is parasites. We got to get the parasites out of our bodies. And I've got a whole thing on parasite protocol. It's a parasite paradigm. It's a video. You can watch it on my site or on Rumble. 
Uh, can third, you tell can you tell the viewers where you where people can find you real quick so I don't forget? Oh sure, sure. Yeah, no, it's themedicalrebel.com. Three words, themedicalrebel.com. <laughs> I love it. And then the then I have the Medical Rebel podcast on Monday nights. And I also have uh, on that from that website a lot of things there that supports the war effort. You know, if you want to get the other things I'm gonna talk about. The other thing is um and it's I have a rumble channel that should that's either under my name or it's under the medical rebel. I think it's on the medical rebel, but I have these, these, these videos on. And the other one is um, uh, EMF mitigation because EMF is a real problem. And we, we, I'm short of burning down the towers. It's, it's one of those things we have to take care of in our own uh, houses in our own bodies. And there's ways of doing that. And I like the one I have on my website. I have it there because it's the only one I found that has bioassays that show that their stuff really works. The, the last one is, um, supplementation. And I did that wrong for my entire career. You know, it, it, a, natural, a naturopath taught me this. He looked at me and he says, you allopaths, you know, very condescendingly, like we used to look at homeopaths. They, now they look at us and they say, you allopaths, you know, standard medicine doctors. When you finally wake up to the fact that you need, you need to support with like vitamins and things, you do it like you were treating cardiac disease with a pill here and a pill there. And that doesn't work. You need to have balanced nutritional supplementation. So those are the four things I do. I don't travel with, you know, I, I take ivermectin. I have a protocol for, for getting rid of parasites that I've been doing for a year, but I don't travel with that stuff to, I don't dose myself before I get on a plane. I don't worry about all that sanitizing crap they want to put on your, they want to hand you get on the plane and the, 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 flight attendant and they're still in their mask. Some of them hand you this little sanitizing thing to, that's just toxic to your skin. I don't do all that. I just use chlorine dioxide and I get on the plane and I, and I do other things because the ultimate story here, which I got to put out in a separate video, but it's about, I learned this from 1918, looking at the pandemic of 1918. We're dealing with electromagnetism when we talk about flu, flu is not a virus. It's never been shown. Do we have time to do that? That is an important point here. If you want to go down that road. Absolutely. I'm here. Okay. Well, I started looking at, at the influence of 1918 as the last big pandemic, right? Well, first of all, I found out it wasn't a pandemic technically. And number two, I found out it wasn't, it wasn't the Spanish flu. It didn't start in Spain. It started in Fort Riley, Kansas. Now what had happened uh, is before we never had seasonal flu before the 1850s or 60s. Influenza simply means influence in Italian. And what would happen in the 1600s, 1500s, 1700s, 1800s? They never had seasonal flu. Flu would break out all around the world almost simultaneously. It'd break out in, you know, and, and we know a lot about this to prove this stuff, this isn't just speculation because, you know, God loved the British Admiralty. They kept all the logs from all their ships during the Napoleonic Wars and way back into time. And people have gone and looked at this. And that what they found is that people, when this breakout of influenza happened, it would happen like there'd be ships at sea completely isolated because in those days, you know, in the age of wooden ships and iron men, they didn't travel that fast. They could not have been spreading it from Americas to Europe to South America and things like that. It could not have spread. It happened all at once. And ships at sea would, the people would all get sick on the ship and they hadn't been in contact with the land, you know, and that would happen all over the place. So what's going on here? Well, it turns out that subs in subsequent years, um, 
uh, astronomers from Oxford and from Winnipeg, Canada, looked at the outbreaks because these things, you'd have an influenza outbreak maybe every 30 years or maybe you'd go 10 years and then have another one. What was going on? Sunspot cycles. As the sun became active with flares and sunspots, it would um, it would ionize our atmosphere and that causes disease. Now, I can we can at the end of this, I'm going to explain how that causes disease and what disease really means, why we have a seasonal flu cycle. And again, how to not go down in it. But but the it isn't a virus. It's not being transmitted. They've never proven isolation and they've never proven transmission. In fact, when the when 1918, the so-called pandemic broke out. Well, before that, let me just say, why did we start getting a seasonal flu season? We started getting sick because it started about the same time we got what they called telegraphers disease. They laid down the telegram lines and they noticed that people that worked on telegrams and people working under them, like the conductors on the railway, started getting sick. They actually solved it, which tells you it was the, the problem, because they started making a long twist in the copper wire that ran the telegram signal. So it's an electromagnetic field problem. Now, in 1918, you had all these guys showing up to be trained for the war. And what were they being trained on in Fort Riley, Kansas, where this whole thing broke out? Can't make this up. Telegraph operators. They were being trained as telegraph operators to go overseas, right? So there, so and and this thing that was noticed now, and I'll tell you where I got this data. This is original my original research. I didn't go to any textbook because you do, and they tell you the same pablum that we were mistaught in medical school and everything and keep it on the internet about oh, what happened in 1918. Okay. Oh, people were passing it back and forth. They had they gave you the same BS. Oh, they were in tightly tight quarters in the military barracks, and that's why I spread. No, no, no. That had nothing to do with it. So the I looked at I looked at uh, they have diaries that they kept. I looked at the Kansas um, Historical Society stuff, the, the Navy um, archives and old newspapers, which were very, very educational about this. Really interesting. So anyway, and I also looked at some other stuff that the, those things took me to. But the, these guys, these young guys go down to, to Fort Riley, Kansas to train. And the doctors noticed that it wasn't the sickly looking scrawny kids from the city. It was the big strapping farm boys that were getting sick at first. Now, why would that be? These are the healthiest looking guys down there. Why would they be getting sick? Because the body responds to rate of change. And so if you're not used to electrical outlets and electricity around you, you're more likely to have a sudden change in the environment and you're going to get sick with electromagnetic sickness, right? The city kids had been acclimatized over 10 years prior to this or more. They'd gotten electric lights, but the farm kids from Iowa and Tennessee and you know Idaho, they didn't have that. So they were getting sick. Now, they didn't die though. It wasn't the, just going down and being exposed didn't kill you. Um, Eleonora Bean, uh, who was a child at the time with her family and the church members were helping take care of these people. And she said, none of the volunteers got sick because they hadn't taken the vaccines that those guys had. Everyone that died had taken these crude new vaccines for the, for the first time we vaccinated the troops with these multivalent things. Now, interestingly, um, when they tried to prove transmission of flu, this was done by the Navy Department and the Public Health Department in Boston. This is why I said there's no pandemic. Boston was the third biggest city hit. It only had 5,000 deaths. 
you can't add up deaths. Um, in fact, it was Kate Daly down in Utah that can, that first brought this to my attention. She had looked back at old newspapers and had tried to figure out how many people actually died in 1918. She said, I can't add more than 150,000 in America, but they're telling us it's, you know, a lot more than that, like a million or 500,000 or something. So what happened is they first tried in Boston, they tried to prove transmission. And they, what they would do is they claimed they had 118 volunteers. Well, they offered to commute their sentences after the after the test, so they might not have been completely volunteers. But they went into these hospitals where people were really sick with the flu and dying. And they would go and they would put their faces over the faces of the dying. They were told, don't touch them. Just when, the, when that person breathes out, we want you to breathe in. So you're breathing out the exhalations of the dying with flu. Not one of them got sick. So then they said, well, we got to up this. So then they took swabs into the noses of throats of the dying and they put it into well people. None of them got sick. Then they actually took nose goobers and whatever, whatever you want to call it, the, the saliva, the, the, all, all the liquids from the nose and mouth area, and they mixed it into a solution. And in, in the age before antibiotics, this was, this was guts ball. They shot it into the volunteers and they still didn't get flu. So, and oh, and horses, horses were getting sick and they couldn't transmit it with a feed bag from a sick horse to a non-sick horse. And what is your, what is your, um, I guess your not conclusion, but COVID like, what, what do you think happened with It's the same. This is why I'm telling you about 1918, but here's the difference. Okay. So in 1918, they really tried to figure it out. Okay, they sent down William Welch from Johns Hopkins University, famous pathologist, the whole Armed Forces Institute of Pathology went to Kansas. They autopsied the dead. That is the first thing you should do to try and figure out a disease. And at the end of time, they said, we don't know. Uh, You know, it really can't figure it out. And if you think it's just because they didn't know what they were doing back in 1918, we had Chinese pathologists in 2018 at the anniversary of this. Relook at all those specimens from 1918, and they too said, even using modern, quote, virologic and genetic techniques, we don't know what it caused it. So they didn't come out and said it was a virus. Now, what did they tell us at the outbreak of COVID? They said, oh, no, no, it's, it's, it's a virus and it's highly contagious. We don't want you pathologists to do anything because you might spread it. What? No, 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 no. That's what pathologists do, guys. They learn the truth. Pathologists know everything but too late. Okay, that's the joke. They should they should have been doing systematic autopsies. If this really was a worldwide pandemic, this is why you knew the fix was in. They should have been doing systematic autopsies, but they didn't want us to know the truth. Well, finally, in June of 2021, 28 papers were re- 28 papers were reviewed by a group of pathologists that published this a year and a half after the whole pandemic started. And they looked at it was over 369 cases of COVID. And guess what? At the end of the, the, the study, they said, we don't know. Uh, in, in most of these cases, we do not know the cause of death. So, again, when we talk about COVID, we a say. Doctor out of California that's saying the same thing, like they went and tested all of. Do you know who I'm talking about? There's a doctor. Yeah, yeah that's Purnima Wong, I think. She, she came out. I've had a two-hour interview with her that's on my Rumble channel. Now, again, they went after her using your theory. They really went after her, tried to prove that she was a fraud. She's not a fraud. I spent a lot of time with her. 
she's not a, she's not a, she doesn't have a degree in anything. Well, I'm sure she has a degree, but she doesn't have a Ph.D. or a doctorate degree. But she was a lab scientist for her whole life. And what she said is that their lab got all these specimens from covid patients given to them. They got a big grant to do this. They couldn't find anything that looked like any kind of, quote, virus. OK, and um, she also said there was no genetic material they could identify in the in the vaccines and that she's talking to colleagues around the world at 18 independent labs and took like Lakinta Kaluna, the German group have published this, that they can't find any genetic material in these vaccines. So if you want me to tell you what I think's going on, here's what I think what happened. I think, and, and Karen Kingston, she's a friend of mine. We had this discussion about her idea of these, of this hydrogel, genetically engineered, smart hydrogel. So Let's say you want to, again, problem, reaction, solution. They wanted to get us to take a universal vaccine. They tried with flu in the past. They tried with HIV in the past. They just couldn't get us to do it. So they figured out a way that they're going to make this disease look really scary. And I can't prove this part. I've told you what I can prove up to now. Now I can't prove it. I'm just, this is my putting it together. I think they had a contact poison, toxin, name it what you will, probably made of this hydrogel. And what they did before this whole thing broke out for decades, they've been scavenging people's genetic material and they've been studying it to figure out like how we can do things. And it may not have just been a genetic test. It may have been other things because in the human body, the, the way they got to us was called the ACE2 pathway. That I believe, okay? How they did it, I think they're lying about, but we have thing, a thing in our body called the ACE2 pathway. Just like you have insulin receptors, people understand insulin receptors. They have diabetes. You got to have you got the insulin molecule. You got to have a receptor this, that goes in. Is this from like January twenty one about the eggs? How egg yolk it has the um, some kind of antibody that doesn't bond. antigen that blocks this this interaction. So it really so we have this pathway and all we know for sure is that if you block that pathway if you put something in there that sticks to that bad things happen okay you start losing sodium you start getting very weak you start having all the symptoms that we saw with this really serious the serious cases of this okay a friend of mine in Iowa figured out that the first thing to do for people is give them salt and baking soda in a quart of water you know so this is so this blocks your pathway that keeps sodium into your body and you need sodium. You, you can't have sudden fluxes of this. So that is the final, and it's in your heart, it's in your brain. It also causes, it, it. they also put in stuff that can cause inflammation, but whatever it was, they developed, in my opinion, a contact pathogen, contact poison. We saw pictures early on in, in Wuhan of like this woman in a computer store. She was opening up computer lids, touching the Touching, touching, and closing. Open, touching, closing. She wasn't looking at the computers. She was just touching all the keys. That's the kind of thing you might see if you were spreading something. In my state, we could saw the outbreaks went right up 80, right up Interstate 80 in almost an evenly spaced pattern. Okay. Um, if this were airborne, you, at first we had all these epidemiologists on the on the internet saying, oh, this is the highest. This is when I was a little scared about what was going on because I didn't know highest R naught value and we've ever seen in worse than smallpox, you know, meaning transmissibility, right? But something wasn't right about that because people would be in the household with a sick person and never get it. Okay. In China, they tried to trace it and it just wasn't spreading in households, but it was spreading and it didn't, and they didn't shut down planes and trains in Wuhan at first. It should have gone all over China. It only stayed pretty much in Wuhan. Now it started the first patient 
was on October 19th. And what happened on October 19th? That's the first turn on their 5G system. And it really took off when they turned the 5G on that they put in hospitals fully implemented in December where Dr. Lee died. Okay. So imagine putting a contact poison that is that is a binary poison. But you know, in 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 bioweapons, these guys know about this kind of concept. People know about this, where you have two parts. Well, in this case, the first part is maybe what Karen Kingston found, hydrogel. And it goes into the body. It's lipid-soluble. lipid, lipid soluble. You get it on your hands. You get it in your mouth. It gets into you, but it doesn't do anything because it's the wrong shape. It doesn't fit in your ACE2 pathway. But then I turn on. This is what smart hydrogel is all about. So there's two. There's the diamond configuration, and there's the, the triangle configuration. And I don't remember which one, but one of those fits in the ACE2 pathway. The other one doesn't. So I give you this stuff in Wuhan because I want to make a false outbreak. And a whole bunch of people come in contact with it. It gets into their body, but they're all well until I turn on the 5G. And then they all start getting sick all at once. We saw people drop on the, on the, on the street because I think they had the, the kind of the, the 5G was maybe cranked up a little bit, bit too much. So they stopped that. But then it got people got sick and died. No question about that. Then they did the same thing in Lombardy. It went down there. Then they did it to New York City. But if this had really been that transmissible, it would have hit Omaha, Nebraska, and Pittsburgh, and you know Paris, and it didn't. Right? It just kind of fizzled out. Now, that's what I think was the initial psyop disease that they created, and 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 in Australia, apparently. They created, uh, let me just say, veterinary medicine, it's been a front for um, bioweapons research forever, okay? It's a good way to study stuff and nobody's paying attention. In 20, I found this, and by the way, I presented this data in a, in a podcast where Robert Malone was there, and and I also presented the, the data that this, this the coding that they claim is the outside of the vaccine that gets into you. Uh, it accumulates in the ovary 65 times more than the um, than in the skeletal muscle. He was on this podcast. And when I went through all this, he was really trying to, you know how you, like if I'm sitting here and you're saying something, I'm going like this. That's kind of what he was doing. And I didn't really know who Robert Malone was. I'm thinking, what's going on here? And then when I got done sp speaking, he said, well, Dr. Merritt doesn't understand the literature about, and I, about this thing I'm just about to tell you. But now he's coming out and saying, oh, this gets into the ovary more than it gets into the skeletal muscle. I wanted to just spit because this was in June of 20 or April of 21 when it would have made a difference to speak out. He didn't speak out then and tried to shut me up from speaking out. I just want to point this out, okay, because you can't always tell your friends and enemies in this war. That's but amazing. yeah, here's the other, here's the, um, here's the paper that I was discussing that he really didn't want me to talk, that he told me I didn't know anything about. In 2015, apparently there are these mouse outbreaks. Australia, a funny country, you know, they have, they have some weird animals. But anyway, when mice overgrow, they just like one day a farmer will go out and his whole barn's filled with mice. So they're trying to figure out it's a solution. And they come up with a vaccine, which is, by the way, they claim is made just like the J&J &J vaccine. And they inject it into these mice. They capture all these mice, they inject it. And it sterilizes. It's done for sterilization. They know it. It gets in the ovary and it damages the ovary. Okay. And then they let the mice out in the wild and the wild mice go out and they rub against all these other mice. They're very gregarious. They find other mouse packs and they get together and they shed on those other mice. Those females become sterile because now they've gotten this stuff from the vaccinated. If this sounds familiar, it should. Okay. And then 
another, then they get there. Now they're a bigger group. And then they go out and do the same thing. And now you've got a huge group of female mice that become sterile with this shedding of this stuff. And then it peters out in the population. And I would tell you, I think that's what we're seeing. Now, we are seeing this whole shedding thing. And don't tell me, the other, the other complete lie is the government knew about it in 2015. They also published an article that they published to their researchers saying, hey, you guys doing this, this, this kind of research on these kind of things for cancer, they were doing this kind of technology for cancer. You know, something's coming off of them and it's making people sick. And you need to know, you need to start testing this stuff. And I will tell you, they didn't test their, their exhalations. They tested their sweat, their, their blood, their semen, their, um, uh, what else? Like perspiration stuff. What else? This, it's all the body the, fluids. Did you see that clip from Utopia like that came out, I think, before the pandemic did about what they're going to do? Did you happen to see that clip? If not, I'm gonna I don't just, I don't think so. I, I should just play it. But it is it is unbelievable. It's it's explaining exactly what you're explaining right here, that it was all about, predictive programming. It was all about um, stopping humanity. For, it, it was all about um not only genocide, but to to make it to where people can't reproduce anymore. Right. And for a number of generations. So it's not just let's say. So the, one of the concerns that and I'm not OBGYN, but one of my, my colleagues like Jim Thorpe and these guys and, and Christian Northrup, my colleagues who are OBGYN, they're concerned that it doesn't just let's say you take it. You're a woman. And we know that, by the way, if women take this in during pregnancy, you have a 90 percent chance of fetal loss. 90%. Jim Thorpe has, they've just come out with, they've got, he's writing a book, they've got papers, they've got all the data. This is not a small point. And yet doctors are just blindly or being paid to say it's safe and effective for pregnant women. Are you kidding me? We never give things to pregnant women that haven't been tried out. I mean, we never give it to military pilots. We're violating all our safety procedures with this. You've got to ask why. Okay, I, it's a depopulation process. Now, here's what I'm hearing from Christiane Northrup about infertility, though, because I think they're trying to stop it from multiple levels. Let's suppose, I don't think it's irreversible. Let's suppose that this works because it blocks, it's not killing your ovaries, it's blocking something in your ovaries, and you could detoxify your ovaries. Again, what did they say in ancient medicine? Get right with God and detoxify yourself. So she's been giving some people uh, chlorine dioxide, or she's been using chlorine dioxide, and she's gotten and she's gotten some uh, pregnancies that happened that couldn't that weren't happening. I, I think that there's I think that people have to just like anything else. My my big message to people is this is not too late to turn this around. You know, it's like James Cameron said, every second that passes is a chance to turn it all around. It's, it's rebel. You know what the what the word rebel or rebel is? It's, to it's not, when you hit the bell, it, the frequency starts over, right? So you're rebelling. Oh, so you're I starting, didn't know that. Yeah, so that's why I love your your name, the medical rebel. Because <laughs> you're hitting the bell and the frequency starts again. And that's what God does. Is he resets. Wow. I love that. Thank you for that. I I missed that one. I thought I was, you know, I, I like lingu like language and the but use you're, of words. You're, and, re you're rebelling all of us. You're rebelling all of our, all of rebel. the You're just wow. setting up. Boom. <laughs> Wow. Well, and see, and I think frequency is at the heart of everything. Okay. If we are all energy, see what we're doing, we're looking for, we're looking for physical treatments for a spiritual problem. 
ultimately, if we are 100% energy, the physicists say it, the religious people say it, we should start believing it. Okay, we are energy. We are pure children of light. This is what God has made us. And But we are living right now in these husks, these, these bodies, right? And But there's a part of us that gets God's signal. I personally, this is just my belief, I think that's the DNA. I think we get God's signal through our DNA, and that's what they're attacking. But they're not doing it the way they say. If you look at what they really are telling you they're doing with this, all this ticker tape idea of, of chopping and cutting and putting in new different uh, amino acid-based things, like GCTA, all the different uh, uh, little Oh, I'm blanking on the word, uh, not aminoglycosides. It's the, um, huh. oh, anyway, the parts of our DNA, um, they're base pairs. Or the bases are made from amino acid head on with this tail on it, okay? And I'm just blanking on the term. But anyway, they're saying that they're in precisely inserting this stuff, but you go to the guys that's supposed to be developer of CRISPR, Feng Zhang at MIT, he says, we can't do that. And what's his, what's his PhD in? I looked this up. It's in optogenetics, in other words, wavelength. So what we are doing is they're giving us things that screw up our antenna somehow. They're damaging us. They're poisoning us. They're doing all sorts of stuff. But ultimately, our solution is to detoxify ourselves. Now, the other thing is parasites. This, this thing is acting like a parasite, Okay, this, this toxin that they're giving us. Because for some reason... Just look at, like you, like we talked about inversion, look at what they really don't want us to get involved with, right? If they tell you not to take vitamin D, you know you've got to take vitamin D. If they tell you something's worthless, you know you've got to do it. And now, remember, now you're a lot younger, you may not remember him, but George Carlin and the seven words you couldn't say on TV, you know, and I always say, well, nobody gives a shit about that. Well, there was one of them. But now there are six words you can't say on TV. And what are they? And he always used to say them real fast, which I can't do, but it's, it's Chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, fenbendazole, nitazoxanide, and chlorine dioxide. Wow. Six words you can't say on TV. And what are they? They're all anti-parasitic drugs. So I think, I'll tell you the thing you should play sometime for your people, if you, and I can send it to you if you don't have it, maybe you've already done it, is the 1992 uh, entrance, I think it's, the, I think it's the, uh, the, the beginning of the Olympic Games in Barcelona, but it might be the end show. It's that big, big, elaborate show they do every time. Yeah, where where a big like uh, a, a big virus comes in. Oh yeah, but it's not viruses. I mean, it's what they want you to tell that are virus. In other words, they have that blue ball. Uh, you know, I used to keep one by my computer just to show people my my ball that I put those blue balls that you use in your dryer. You know, the picture that we have, I wish I could show that we always see that same picture. It's a blue ball with these spiky things coming out and they've got some in the background. And it's a, and, it, and I show that picture. It's a beautiful picture of this. I mean, I show this picture to people and, and when I give a lecture, I say, what is that thing? I ask the audience and they always say, oh, that's SARS-CoV-2 or it's a virus. Or I said, no, that is CGI. This is a PSYOP, people. That doesn't exist. If I showed you the real picture of what they call viruses, you'd go, meh. It's not, you know, but this looks really scary. You know, it's got all those spiky things and oh my goodness. But when to, then I hold, then I have my picture of my dryer ball. And, and if you've ever used them, you know, they're the rubber dryer balls that are about, you know, five inches in diameter and they bounce around and fluff up your clothes. And I said, now this is scary. I could put my, I could put your eye out with this thing, you know, 
it's just CGI. So anyway, whatever this, the Barcelona, they come in and they've got those blue dryer ball looking things that they're they're We didn't know about it at the time, but that's the virus particle. And then these guys come in further, their whole mob of these people. And you see this black stuff shooting out like ribbons out of the mob of these virus particles. That is almost identical to what parasites, certain parasites look like coming out of cells. I've got it on my video on the parasite paradigm. It's from a German group coming out of your red blood cells. So that's what it looks like. And then of course you've got what every, what every um, shot putter and swimmer and everybody in the Olympics would think would be appropriate. You've got the slave master and slave ships. Who knows why that's got to be there, right? But the thing I saw there, I couldn't figure out what it was. They come out and they've got this like over their heads, they're carrying this big, it looks like a huge, big brown uh, crescent pillow, like a crescent shaped, big brown thing. I thought, okay, I'm getting all this symbolism. What's that? Well, I was looking around at parasites the other day and I saw one, Trypanosoma cruzi. It's, an, it's a parasite that damages the heart. And we've been worried about it for a long time because we're worried about it. It's endemic in South America and we're worried about it because it's getting into our blood supply. And they're not really screening. Uh, that's the part, one of the problems with the open border we have. Now, why would that be coming out? Okay, see, I'm starting to watch them for this predictive programming to look at where to think the reality here is. What does Trypanosoma cruzi give you? It gives you Chagas disease. And what's the symptoms of Chagas? Well, a certain number of people within two weeks of getting, getting its, the parasite in them have sudden cardiac death. Kind of sounded familiar. And then... As it's been in with longer, it it um, it can give you myocarditis and later conduction problems and all the kind of stuff we're starting to see. So I'm wondering if they're dosing us with Trypanosoma cruzi along with everything else. It's very very uh, crazy. Yeah, we're we're under attack, and so so give um, just to kind of. In this, and I just want to thank you, Lee, so much. I'm so grateful for your time. Like, I this is like, uh, <laughs> this is like information, spiritual heroin. It's like I can't even get enough of it. Um, I want to have you on again if possible sometime sure. if you do a follow up, maybe in like six months or so. But what do you say, um, as a as a message of hope? What do you say to people that are just like, what do we do? What's your what's your final? What's your final words to people? If this In every way of our life, we have to stand up in our houses, in our families, in our communities, in our counties. That's the level of our involvement. Don't think, don't worry about the federal government. Somebody else is going to have to take care of those boys. You need to take care of your local survival and your local uh, get out, get your, you know, personally, I homeschooled my kids and I was, a, and I was an orthopedic spine surgeon. I mean, if I have time to deal with that, in other words, I think everybody needs to take the time to make sure the next generation is protected. And that's not just protected from these psychopaths in our medical system. It's in our, everywhere we go. It's in our churches. It's in our, it's in our educational system. Take back your local world. That's, and take back your own health. And I'm telling you, you don't need fancy stuff to do it. And you don't even need a doctor. That's my goal. That's my goal is to get people out of this paradigm that every time you have a sneezy nose, you run to the doctor and they make it worse. They're doing the wrong things. They're out to kill you. They're not your friends. And I say this as a classically trained physician, but we've become a death cult. Get out of it, okay? Four things. Detoxify yourself, treat your parasites, supplement your, your diet, eat, eat clean, and EMF protection. 
Thank you so much. Again, one more time, how people can find you. It's all at themedicalrebel.com and my Rumble channel, but themedicalrebel.com. Go there, join the fight. Lee Merritt, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.